Okay. Um, let's pray. <laughs> Father God, thank you so much um, for how you've been speaking to us as a church. Uh, thank you for this season again where we're just learning again to wait on you, to hear from you. And I pray that we do this now through um, your words through Carl and uh, that you just, yeah, you speak through him and that we will have ears to hear and open hearts to what you want to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Sarah's going to the back, everyone. If you're going to whisper, they're going to wonder what you whispered. So I had to tell them. And he's going to get a smack later. Great. Well, it is great, great to see you. And um, I was sat there thinking hopefully trying to get it the right uh, way around, but feeling so thrilled and proud of being able to be part of this church. I just love ordinary people getting stuck in, giving it a go, and seeing the kingdom of God come. And that is what church is all about. It's not about professionals. It's not about people who have got, uh, you know, huge big spiritual muscles or anything like that. Actually, God chooses to use the weak to shame the wise. And I love that. Not that I'm calling you guys stupid or anything like that, but you hear what I'm saying, don't you? I love it. I was digging. But um, can I encourage every single one of you, if, I'm sure you've already done this, but you haven't done it already, is that at some point over the next 24 hours to say to God, if you don't know where he's placed you or what you should be doing, God, I'd love to be a part of what you're doing. Please, can you show me what you want me to do? Is that all right? Because I guarantee when you pray those prayers, he loves it. You're almost like he's, he gets his hands like this and says, yes, I've been waiting for you to ask me because I've got so many wonderful plans. And this is the incredible thing. He's got these plans that only you can do. That is the weird thing, that he creates these plans for us to step into that only you can play that significant part in his journey. So I encourage you, go for it. All right. Um, yeah, sorry we were a bit late today. Nathaniel decided uh, he would leave a dumbbell uh, on the side of the bath, uh, as you do, and then wondered when he accidentally bumped into it why the dumbbell fell off the bath and landed on his toe and has uh, fractured his toes. So please, please keep praying for Nathaniel um, and us as a family. That would be great. <laughs> Fantastic. So, has everybody been enjoying this waiting process? Is anybody good at waiting? <laughs> Great. Looks like we're going to be doing this process for a bit longer then. Anybody like me find waiting a bit tricky? Yeah. Anybody feel a little bit impatient? Yeah. Anybody feel like their spouse is a little bit impatient? More hands went up for that last one. <laughs> I noticed that one. Well, we, we generally tend to do be, be a little bit impatient. I certainly do. I want things now. And, uh, and unfortunately, that isn't always how things work. Um, but I, you'll be pleased to know this is a really, really simple talk. And I'm going to get my phone out now. I'm going to press start on the stopwatch to give you false hope that I'm actually going to look at it and finish in time. Um, so anyway, first of all, can we get this first scripture up? Romans 8. Uh, is that it? Fantastic. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, 
but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Now, we know that the whole creation has been grown in, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, everybody say all things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. How great is that? I'm going to read that again. That is awesome. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, sorry, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I love that. There's so much in that. You could do like a, an eight-part series on that one just alone. I'm not going to. Um, but God's timing is perfect. Absolutely perfect. Sometimes we think the things around us, it seems like it's chaos. And why do these little events happen? And I look at my own life and I track back and I can think, God, you have been so good. You knew that was going to happen and you knew that was going to happen and you knew that was going to happen. And you've used all of those things to bring good things into my life. Whereas at the time, how many people could see it coming and thought, oh, this is a good thing that's coming into my life right now. Usually it's strife, isn't it? Usually it's a frustration or a disappointment or something like that. But God uses all things. I absolutely love that. His perfect timing. And then I love this scripture here in 2 Peter 3, 8 to 9. It says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I love that. You see, God's timing is completely different to our timing. God isn't confined to even the concept of time. He's outside of time. He's outside of space. He's outside of all of our understanding of this physical world we live in. And yet sometimes we find waiting a bit tricky because we live within those confines. And we think if something hasn't happened, it's not going to happen. Or we think, uh, you know, we pray for stuff. Anybody like this, a little bit impatient with your prayers? You pray for stuff, God, please do that. And then it hasn't happened in the time scale we wanted it to. So we're like, oh, well, it's not happening then, is it? Anybody do that one? <laughs> yeah. Anybody got a friend or a relative you've been frantically praying for to come to know Jesus and it hasn't happened yet? I want to say to you, this is the message for you today. Do not stop praying. Do not stop praying. 
God is on their case and he's using all of these things. It's not like God has to quickly whip them into the kingdom. Oh, quick, quick, let's get them into the kingdom. God knows exactly the best way to get them into the kingdom, to bring maximum glory to him and to produce in them what's needed for them to help other people come into the kingdom. I look at my own journey. Unfortunately, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, too incredibly old, but at the same time, I'd done some stupid things. I'm not proud of, and I, sometimes I wish that I hadn't gone through those things, but I can see how God has used those to help other people. And so God uses all things, and he's not bound by time. The problem is that we are bound by time to a degree. We will get to eternity. You know, the day when, uh, like Emma, we, uh, we, we die and we spend the rest of eternity with Jesus. And I'm so looking forward. I'm not, you know, I still want to be here before anybody gets worried. I'm so looking forward, though, to that day. But that day will come where I spend the whole of eternity with my Saviour. And I can't wait for that. But right here and now... We live in a culture which is very different to the kingdom of God. And uh, we went on a lovely uh, weekend down in London. It was a couple of weeks back, something like that. It was half term, wasn't it? And um, I got the experience of Uber for the first time in my life. Has anybody done the Uber thing? Great. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Uber is, basically it's a taxi service, but you download this app and then you just say, right, I want a taxi. And then it'll say, Mr. Whoever, he's 1.3 minutes away and he's coming. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> wasn't ready for that. I was expecting like Lincolnshire taxis. You can get one in one and a half hours if, uh, if, if you're lucky. And anyway, this guy turned up and you can even cancel it before he gets there as long as he's, I think, is it 30 seconds? As long as you cancel it before 30 seconds arrival, you can, yeah, it's something ridiculous like that. If it's wrong Uber and you listen to this, please do not sue me. Um, but I, it just blew my mind, this whole instantaneous thing. And so lots of people, you know, they'll, I believe this or not, they sort of like will get an Uber to go and get a McDonald's. Or if they want to be a little cheaper, they'll get a Deliveroo or a Fast Eats or whatever. And society as a whole, we've just got so instantaneous, haven't we? We want stuff and we want it now. And when we don't get it, we just feel shortchanged a little bit. Online banking, Ubers, instant news. And uh, if we're not careful, we can expect that God needs to work in the same way. That if we just want something, we'll get it straight away. And so... I want to tell you this, though, that God is never early and he's never late. He is always on time. Unfortunately, it just always doesn't correlate with our time. And so I guess part of the challenge in this waiting season is to ask God to give us that patience and to say, God, I want to align my time with your time. I'm going to pray and I'm going to intercede and I'm going to bring the things that are important to me that you've placed upon my heart to you. I'm going to keep doing it until you tell me to stop or until that issue has changed and you no longer need me to pray. It's interesting, though, how God uses different things to reveal his purposes. And I think, God, why, do you, why don't you make it really simple? And I think, well, I know now the reason why is because he wants to have his, his fingerprints all over it. So you can't deny that it was God who did it. And I think Sarah might have shared this a little while ago. But one of the most um, incredible moments that I saw this in action is when we were living in Manchester and we'd been part of this thing called Eden in Withenshaw and then in Salford and we were getting to that stage where we just felt that little nudge from God that there might be something and and I as usual I'm going to say this on tape tape let me not show me age on whatever it is uh, for Sarah to to hear and know Sarah usually gets the inkling before I do and then I say no 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 I'm not sure about that love oh no and eventually I say yeah all right it's God uh 
reluctantly. And it was this time where she got the inkling first. She said, I think God might be moving us on, Carl. And I was like, jog on. He's not moving us on. We're here. We've still got a job to do. But inwardly, I could still feel that God was saying it's something else. But we didn't really know kind of what it was. There was potential to do something more in Manchester and roll out another Eden team somewhere. But um, a very long story short is we heard that Dwayne was coming to speak in a church in Salford. And we thought, this is a bit random. And I'd only just met Dwayne, I think, the once, one of those threshold evenings. But um, we thought, oh, we'd we better go and, and um, you know, listen to what he's got to say. My mate, Matt, who was part of my team, he was going back to Australia. He'd only been there for a couple of years. The idea was to get to understand the whole Eden team stuff and go and start pioneering Eden teams in Melbourne. And he kept saying to me, mate, you're going to have to come over and help me in Australia. And I was like, Matt, sorry, that was a really bad accent. It's the best it's going to get. Uh, But I was like, Matt, it's not happening, mate. You want me to leave where we are and go to literally the other side of the world? It is not happening. Anyway, Long story, slightly shortened. We went to this night where Dwayne was, was uh, speaking and he spoke some incredible stuff all around. And he spoke some stuff into our life. Not necessarily directly about that, but afterwards he said, I just really feel like God says, I want you to come to America. Well, I've got this conference, this prophetic conference, will you come to America? And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll think about it. And Sarah's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're all over that. I was like, yeah, we're all over the flights. How are we going to afford to get to Blooming America? And we prayed like mad. And even God just brought in the money for us to be able to go just like that. So we thought, right, we'll go. And then when we got there, um, it was amazing. We met all these wonderful different people. But, but somebody had heard about the stuff that we were doing in Manchester. And he said, I just think we need to give these guys a love offering. And for us English people, that was really difficult for me, really difficult to stand there and let people I've never met before just come up and shove dollars into my hand. It was really, really awkward. Uh, But it was the exact amount of money we needed to get return flights to America, literally the exact amount of money. It was absolutely incredible. It was true, wasn't it, Sarah? To Australia, what did I say? No, we don't go to America. So we went went all the way to Australia, and we helped Matt, and we we kind of did... um, some work with him, trying to identify what the needs were and the different opportunities. We met some other people who were into church planting. And, um, and we kind of felt like we'd set things up for Matt to be able to take things forward a little bit further. But we still didn't know. But at the same time, they had Soul Survivor in Australia, meeting out in the bush in Melbourne, which is a very different experience from Shepton Mallet uh, camping ground, I'll tell you. Very, very different. Uh, you get in these outdoor showers, which just had a bit of sort of tarpaulin over the top, and you see these spiders the size of a cat uh, just <laughs> staring at you <laughs> intensely, saying, I'm going to eat you. So uh, anyway, short showers. And, uh, and then at the end of... At the end of the conference, we were still like, oh, God, we really felt you were going to speak to us here. You know those moments where you almost can know that God's going to be saying some stuff? And it was literally the last day. We were in this little wooden cabin, packing up our stuff, literally about to leave through the door with our suitcase and our, our sleeping bags and whatnot. And this, this lady knocked on the door. She said, oh, I'm so glad I found you. And I recognized it because she'd just done a prophetic seminar either that day or the day before. And I remember saying to God while she was speaking, she really hears from God, Lord, I need you to speak to me. And I'd love you if you could speak to me through her because then I'll trust whatever they're going to say. I know that sounds awful, but I just felt, and I was gutted when I didn't see her. And then she'd found us and she'd knocked on this door and she said, oh, I'm so glad I found you. Um, I felt like God wants to speak to you. So I was like, brilliant, what does he want to say? And she just gave us this whole thing about what we were about to do. We just knew it was right, and it was about coming back into Lincolnshire and supporting Pete and Kath and getting involved in the church and ground level and all that kind of stuff. Why do I tell you all of that? 
I tell you all, because it would have been so much easier if God could have just said, Carl, you're going to be working for ground level. You're starting in a few months' time. It would have been great, so much easier. But I had to go through all of those steps because only God could make it up. Only God, not make it up, but only God could do that. And sometimes the hard path that God calls us to tread is for our benefit. It's because we hear God through those things. We know without a shadow of a doubt, when the poo hits the fan, we know that God called us to do this. Seriously. You get those moments, don't you, where you stood there and you're thinking, God, why am I here? What am I doing? Why did that just flop? And you think, oh, maybe it won't God. I'm just going to throw it all up. Actually, no, God said. And when you know you've got a God said, you stick to it. Anyway, long story. So the second thing is that maybe what God is doing in you and us as a church family is just as much about creating the space and opportunity to involve others to experience being part of God's plans. I genuinely believe there's people in our communities who God's going to speak into us as individuals and in the things that we're involved in. And you know what? I want to encourage you, whether you've been a Christian for ages or maybe whether you're new to this stuff and you're trying to work it all out, God still wants to use you. It's not like you've got this hierarchy of skills or, or respect or anything. God loves. The only thing he's looking for is an open heart, a willing heart. Somebody's going to say, do you know what, Jesus? I don't think I'm all that, but I do believe in you. I believe that you've got the power of life. I believe that you can use anything and anyone. Please use me. And he will. And I think in our communities, that's why I love listening to what you guys are doing. You're creating spaces for these people who don't know Jesus yet to participate in what Jesus is doing. How cool is that? And I'd say, actually, one thing I wish I'd said is keep creating space for God to come. Yeah. That's Absolutely, isn't it? And not just for God to come, but to invite people yeah. and others into that process. I love it when you get somebody who might not even know Jesus yet, but in the midst of God's presence, you'll say, I, I, I think God might say this. And then they share it and you're like, yes, Holy Spirit, I love what you're doing. And it, and it just brings them closer to God. So my challenge to you is what spaces are you creating for other people to be able to participate in God's journey and his plan and his kingdom? This is great here. I love it. Absolutely love worshipping with you guys. What I get really excited about is seeing people right on the fringe creating spaces for people who don't know Jesus to encounter Jesus and be used by Jesus so please pray and say God where are those spaces what have you called me into the second thing is that waiting brings fruit that would not have grown without the patience has anybody ever prayed oh Lord I wish I was more patient be careful of that prayer because he will give you the means of developing patience within you. But we desperately need it, don't we? We desperately need that patience. And so waiting is a good thing, a difficult thing, but a good thing. And I want to encourage you here today. Maybe this is just for you, to encourage you. If you've been waiting for ages and you've still not seen it, it's not because you're awful and you have rubbish at patience. I believe it's like any fine meal or anything which is fantastic. Sometimes the best things in life take a long time to make. The most fantastic food isn't bunged up in the microwave for full power at three minutes. It's where a lot of time and energy has been put into it. Or when you see a master craftsman who's created something, it's taken time and effort. So if you've been hanging on to a promise from God, hold on to it still. How many people have here have uh, experienced the provision of God at just the last minute? Yeah, quite a few of you. Isn't it good when he comes through and you're just like, thank you, Jesus. Absolutely love it. And the other reason why God doesn't give us all the answers straight away is because the journey towards discovery 
is sometimes just as important as the destination itself. So if you're still on that journey, I encourage you, God is with you. He hasn't forsaken you. Maybe the lights haven't gone up and you don't know what the next stage is. The golden rule I always find is, if you don't know what the next stage is, stay with the last thing God told you. Always really helpful. In fact, just stay with the last thing God told you full stop. But it doesn't mean that, oh, you've, you've missed it or something. It just means God's still doing something in that specific stage. Now, how many people love watching Lord of the Rings? Fantastic. I know this person does. Is he, is he up there? There he is. Absolutely loves Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, he does. Sorry, Pete. I just... Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. It does look slightly awkward, actually. Yeah. You can go back one if it's going to stop people from uh, t- freaking out. And um, I'm with Pete, though, I must admit. I love... Tolkien's books. I love Lord of the Rings. There's so much. And whilst we've got to be very careful we don't weave in Tolkien into the Bible and get the two mixed up, there are some parallels about when you see uh, Frodo and his mates going on that journey and overcoming the, uh, the dark powers and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I remember, uh, I loved watching the thing with the, the walkers. What do, you, what do you guys call it? There you go. That's great. I think you should get little badges and everything. Um, the thing I loved about that is it took me back as I was reminiscing about when I did my uh, Duke of Edinburgh's award and I did my bronze, my silver and my gold. And I think there's about, about four of us. In fact, is there a picture? I think there is. There we go. Check out that hairdo on the belch. Yeah, it's not a, it's, it is not a cat sat on the head. It, that's me there. What do I call that hat? I know. I, I know. I know. I think, I think I overdid it in my teens and God said, we're taking that away. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Chicks loved it. Right. No, they didn't. Anyway, I thought that would bring a little bit of amusement to you, but this... This, uh, this little team of warriors, we went on the Duke of Venice abroad, and I remember doing um, all sorts of crazy stuff. I think we went up Kinder Scout and Mamtor and loads of other places. Really, really good fun. Uh, but it was also brutal, so we had to carry all of the clothes that we needed for those. I think it was three days, and, oh yeah, it was two nights, three days, I think it was. So you had to carry all the clothes, all the gear, including our tent, including our camping gear, all on your back going up these incredible hills. And it was absolutely brutal. Every single one of us felt like giving up at some point. In fact, uh, one, of, one of the people actually got hypothermia. And we had to get them down the hill as quick as we could and get them warmed up and yada, yada. And it wasn't, you know, <laughs> extreme hypothermia, but it was enough to start to get a little um, twitchy bum time. And it was an amazing, amazing time, though, where we just experienced camaraderie like you've never seen before. We knew each other before we started that journey, Obviously, we knew each other, but we really knew each other at the end of it. You felt like you'd, you'd been in some sort of like war together during that process, and you wanted to punch each other's lights out at some points, but we were there for each other right at the end. And there's something about going on a journey. It's something about being the body of Christ that you... It's only when you go things that you suddenly appreciate what it is to be a part of a community, doing life together, fighting for each other. And it's so easy for people to be involved in communities and to go on that journey. They might not fully understand it, but we can walk together and we can find people who desperately want to belong to a community and have purpose. We all, within us, because we're made by God that way, have that innate desire to want to 
make our lives count for something and how great it is to be, uh, to be a part of that. And getting to the finish line is not what it's entirely all about. We all got signed off. We all got the little badge that we could put on our uh, Air Cadets uniform to say we did the Gold Youth Members Award. And whilst that was good, and it was a nice reminder, the thing we all took away from it was the most important thing, was the memory of what we'd done and our friendships. And we're still in contact with each other for some of those people. We are the body of Christ. And walking with Jesus is not about getting a pass into heaven for eternity. It's just as much about knowing him and loving him in the here and now. And the more I know him each day in the here and now, the more I want to be with him forever. And that is what it should be, isn't it? As we're waiting for God, we're not just saying, Lord, we're waiting for you to reveal your blueprints for our communities. We're saying we're waiting for your presence in our lives now. We're waiting for you to reveal the people that you're asking us to do life with. We're waiting for you to fill us full of compassion for the communities around us and for the people you've called us to serve and live and love amongst I want us to, to leave with this uh, psalm, if we've got it there. In fact, I think I put it up there. Is it psalm? Yeah. Psalm 25. It says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the commands, sorry, the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways that they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the snare. And I love that scripture in verse nine. It says he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. And as we're in this season of listening to God, I encourage you to say to God, Lord, keep me humble. Show me what it is to have a, to have a, a, you know, a humble spirit, a contrite heart before you. The, the more that we bow down, the more that he elevates us, the more that he gives us opportunity, the more that he shows us the, the, the jewels, the, the things of his kingdom. And one thing that I'm desperate for is to, to before the eyes of God, before him, to, to try and be humble as, as much as I can. And every time I see God do something great in my life, to be the first person to shout, it's you, God. You've done this. Only you can do this, Jesus. And I believe in our communities, we're going to see transformation. So many uh, lives and communities changed. And I just want us as a church to make a commitment together to say, we will be the people who say, it's you, God. You've done this. We can take no credit, but thank you for involving us in what you're doing. So should we pray? So all right.